you, Natalia. It was almost as good as I could do. <laughs> no, I don't want to sing with you. It'll make it bad for me. Advent. Last week, as we continued or begin the series, we talked about how free will, how we have a choice in what we do in life, uh, how we recognize that 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 God had created it this way, and that and, and how He had created this this ability to reject Him, but He had created this ability to accept Him. And part of Advent is waiting for that door to open, which would be Jesus Christ, that we could accept him. And part of Advent is also waiting until he returns again. I want us to return to Mark this morning, which is a New Testament piece. So I began at the very beginning in Genesis last week. And now we'll begin in, in the beginning of one of the Gospels in Mark, which is the first chapter. And before we start reading for that, you know, I, I wanted to just kind of set it up a little bit here. You know, sometimes we hear the same thing all the time, and it's like noise. You hear some noise so much, you don't even hear the noise. Does that make sense? I work in an in a office where we install white noise, and, and you can't even hear the white noise because you're so used to the white noise being on there. But about if you're there late in the office, about 6.30 p.m., the white noise cuts off, and you're like, oh, I can't believe how quiet it is. All that noise is, is designed to keep it private so you could have a private conversation and someone else couldn't have it. There is so much white noise all around us. Everywhere we go, I think it just inundates us that sometimes we can't really hear what we need to hear. At, for example, right now, this time of year, I know that we don't really, many of us read newspapers anymore, but some of us still do. Look in your mailbox and all the advertisements that come out. Turn on the TV and hear all the things that, that people are trying to sell you. That there is a special sale going on right now. Right now. And you've got to go right now because you can't wait because this sale will end tomorrow or it will end a few hours. You've got to be there right this very second. Three-hour sale. Be there or be square. There is a deal at the, at the deal, auto dealership, and it is only today. And the first ones that arrive get extra special stuff if they get there right now. Incredible deals. Once-in-a-lifetime opportunities for you, and you don't want to miss it. And when you see those commercials, and when you read all of these things, these ads, you feel a little bit sense of urgency. There's this idea of manipulation that's going on, that if I can get you to feel like you need to do something, and you can, then, then you will actually act out. And sometimes you think, well, I really don't want to miss out anything. It sounds too good to miss, so I better go. But, you know, after a while, you grow older, and all of a sudden, that is really noisy. I see those advertisements, and you know what I do with them? I throw them away, and then Christy pulls them out of the trash. Especially if it's like country door. I don't know if you know what that is. Those kind of things. She, she wants to, she says, that's my, my, my name on it. You don't have a right to throw it away. <laughs> but 
The reality is, though, we, we get used to this. I mean, the, the thing, you know, the, the game, people mark stuff up so they can sell it. People put all these things out there. They're, they're, they're just, it's just noise to try to somehow get you to, to do some things. And sometimes you think it's a great sale and you go there and the only things on sale are the things you don't want. So it's like 75% off of something I don't want or need. It's just noise in the system. We become so saturated with all the advertisement and all the language that's out there, it's, it all begins to sound the same. There's no differentiation in it. I wonder if this is how people think about the spiritual aspects of Christmas. What's the real meaning of Christmas or what's coming at Christmas? I wonder if our society has become so saturated with the same cliches, the same uh, spiritual, I'm going to call it sappy talk that you hear every December. So much talk about how that we love and, and, and how it's a time for family and how it's a time for, for charity to, to give and to help. Every day you hear this and in between the advertising for sales at local stores and, and then you notice churches and we're, we're I'm not saying that we're innocent, but churches jump on that bandwagon too. We advertise, we send out mailings, we do, we do these things, come to our church. We're the friendliest. We have the best pastor. <laughs> That's good. We have the best discipleship program. We have the best worship services. Come and experience the love and the sharing and the caring and the hugging and the singing that you look for this time of year. I wonder if, if even the church has created this white noise that we just talk about it because we want to somehow make it more attractive than it really is and somehow we've got a little better nuance than they've got and you need to come and see and all these things. I wonder. I, just, I loved it. I, I, my wife really likes the TV show The Voice. And the other day as I discovered I was watching it by myself and I said I'm not sure she really likes it. I was watching it, and it was a Christmas special. And they were all singing about Jesus. And I just was thinking, as they were all singing about Jesus and all these Christmas things, do they even know what they're singing? In a world today where, quite frankly, it's just not cool to talk about it, and we want to, the society would like to silence that discussion. People are singing it, but they don't even know what it means. It's white noise. They don't even understand the significance of, of the season that we're talking about here, that's Advent. And so here in our scripture, I want to say something that cuts right through all the junk. It's John the Baptist. He cuts right through all that stuff. He is nowhere in the midst of any of that white noise. He is nothing like anything that you've ever seen. He doesn't appease to any crowd. He is quite the unique individual. And you meet John the Baptist, and if we could meet him, I wonder what he would say to us. He's so different. I don't think that I would see him at the one-day sale trying to catch all the bargains. I, I just don't think John the Baptist would be there. I mean, it says he wore clothing made of camel's hair and a leather belt. Probably made it himself. It probably homemade. Instead of turkey or ham that we would have, guess what he's eating? I know I haven't read the scripture yet, but you know this. Locust and wild honey. Mm, mm, mm. He is just the kind of guy all of us are used to, right? 
He probably would have done pretty well in our society. He probably would have gone on Survivor and he could have won it if they hadn't, but they'd probably also be the first one voted off. But he could survive because of the message that he said. He would stick out so strongly to what he was saying to everybody. He doesn't really say, oh, it's such a great time of year. So good to be with family. Love and care and all are part of this. He doesn't really say all that. He's not a salesman. He's not really trying to use some kind of form of, of uh, manipulation to try to, to get you all and doing all these things. John the Baptist is not going to sweet talk you into anything. There is no lipstick on the pig, if you know that phrase. He's a breath of fresh air. He sticks out in a crowd. He doesn't care what you think about him. The message is the one that he and it hits you right in the heart. What would it be like to beat to see and meet John the Baptist this morning? If he sat across from you this morning or at a kitchen table um, as you were trying to go to church, what would he say to you? He had a special job. The prophet Isaiah talks about John when he wrote, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight the path for him. John had been already talked about in the Old Testament how he was going to do this. This work that he would come that would help to prepare for all the society for Christ's coming. And he would also help prepare them for the Christ's second coming. Prepare the way of the Lord. Mark chapter 1, beginning in the first verse. Let's read this together. Why don't we stand together this morning as we read it. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. And then all the land of Judea and all those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt wrapped around his waist. He ate locust and wild honey. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal straps I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I indeed baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. May the Lord add his blessing to his word this morning. I want to talk to you this morning exactly about that. Preparing the way of the Lord. Tomorrow night, at my home, we have a board dinner that's an appreciation. And I want you to know, what do you think that I will do this evening? I will go and prepare for this dinner. I will move my furniture around. I will bring in tables and I will bring in chairs. I will begin to prepare some type of appetizer. I've been shopping for different types of food. There is a lot of work to be done because I have some people coming and I want it to be good for them. I want you to know that the king of all kings is coming again. 
I want you to know that the King of Kings we recognize is coming. And there are things that we should be doing to get ready for them. We can't just go home, put our feet up, watch the voice, and just chill out and say everything's going to be okay. The message of Advent is this, that the King is coming and you have to be really engaged in getting ready for him. John the Baptist was absolutely doing that. It was his sole mission. You know, scholars have talked about, when did John know? When did he know that he was the guy that he would be called to do this? And, you know, I don't know. Um, from an early life, we know the stories of, of, of when he was born, and, and that's quite interesting. But I think about John, how he, where he was born and where he was raised and where he saw the, the great stories of, of, his, of his faith, where he would look up and he would see Mount Nebo and he would know what happened there, where Moses had gone up, how he had viewed this promised land and how he had uh, spoke of, of this promised Messiah that would come. He, he saw that mountain and he knew those things that were there. He would overlook the Jordan that Joshua had crossed. And it would be a remembrance of the things that God had done. He would know about the Jerichos whose walls had fallen when Joshua had let out that blast. He knew all about these things. He knew about Amos and and in this area where he had pastured his flocks and how he had dreamed of, of this coming um, king that would come from the lineage of David. He, he, he knew all these things. They were all around him. He knew about Elijah and it would be close by where Elijah had been fed by the ravens. And how he just absorbed that every day of his life. The history of his people, the history of his faith. And how he really needed to be engaged in that. And how he knew how all of that, all of that history that he had been around, that he had seen and he had dreamed and wondered what it had been like, he knew it was coming to a climax. He said, it's all coming down. All this is coming together. And the promised Messiah is coming. And it would just invigorate him. And I say that to you today. You have seen and you have heard. And all of us have probably been a Sunday school class where we've learned about the walls of Jericho and where we've sang those words. And only a boy named David. And how all these things have been a part of our life. But somehow... They've waned and they're not as intense and they're not as real as they used to be. Well, I want you to know that in Advent, that's a part of what we do. We go back and we reflect and we look and we see how God has worked, not only in the scriptures, but also in our own lives. How it's been intense. I was telling the story yesterday. As I came back from sabbatical and, and I sat with the board and, and I am not one of these people who really says it's my way or the highway. That's not my leading style. But I did this. I came back and I said, we must invest in children. We must, do, we must put a significant amount of money. And I said, and if that's not something that we can do, I don't need to be pastor here anymore. And I rarely say things like that. But never. In fact, all of my ministry, it's the only time I said it. And as I said it and I thought about it, and we started to think, well, who's going to lead it? It's quite strange that all of a sudden that somehow that this young lady who's uh, been in the community decided that she needs to be uh, a children's minister and she wants to, for, for, all of a sudden she shows up here. How about that? When we reflect and we begin to say, this is who God is, this is what God wants to do, and we begin to think, and when we begin to put feet 
to those actions, all of a sudden it looks like, oh my goodness, God is in the midst in blessing, and we could have missed it had we not been aware. John the Baptist was aware of all these things. He knew what his calling was, and it was time, and he would take action. It would spur him to do what he needed to do. Maybe he knew that he was going to be a prophet like Elijah. And maybe he dresses a little bit like Elijah. That's his, his um, uh, mentor, if you will, even though it's, he, he probably never had a conversation with him. He lives on locust and, and wild honey. Roast deer or sun-dried, they tell me. They say that they actually taste like shrimp. Has anybody ever eaten one? No? I'm not willing to try, but I do like shrimp. John's 30 years old now. He's grown up with this sense of calling in his life. He's seen how God has moved. He knows it's coming. he's coming to a conclusion. So John, now as John is 30, the, the nation is crying out with such pain. It is under the bondage of another government who is not very kind. Everyone is depressed, thinking, oh, the world is coming to an end. We'll never be able to have the kind of freedom And all of a sudden, this voice strikes out in the wilderness here where there no one else is saying good things. It's all, we just can't wait. You know, when 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 the Messiah comes, it'll all be better. When all, and that's all they're doing, just sitting and talking about it. But he strikes out here. And, he, and his voice rings so true. And everyone is drawn to that voice because there is such significance of truth in it. And the burden of his cry comes out and says, Repent! Repent! How in the world does John the Baptist's message that says repent become so popular that the whole nation is listening to him and loving what he says? Because all we got to do is go out today and say, repent! And everyone will say, get away. How is John the Baptist able to strike through and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and all of a sudden everyone's listening and loving him? He becomes a, a celebrity. Doing everything that the world is not doing. Living out in the wilderness. Dressing strange ways. Eating disgusting food. And somehow, he has brought to the upper echelon of this entire nation. Repent. And lots of people come and do exactly that. He's at the height of his popularity. Jesus comes and has baptized him, baptized by him. And then John just passes off the screen. Now, you know it's quite an interesting story that's not really relevant to what's going on here. But he's just gone. His work was done. Advent speaks volumes about the arrival of God. It's the time when God comes to earth and lives with us. It's a time that God comes and shares His love with us and we should share our love with Him and among ourselves and each other. It prepares us to welcome the arrival of God. And this teacher, John, for us, leads by example. He shows us how we are to live in these days. Not just existing and somehow surviving in all of this, 
He shares us how we should love each other and our neighbors and ourselves. So we began this Advent series last week. We begin the Advent period and we're in the second week of this which really symbolizes Jesus is coming and Jesus is coming again. In Zephaniah it says, The great day of the Lord is near, near and coming quickly, according to him. Advent gives us four weeks to ponder where we are in all of God's creation. Advent is the time when we as individuals and we as members of this whole family of God should turn a mirror on ourselves and we should look at that reflection and ourselves and we should ponder our place within this grand scheme of all eternity of this family of God. Isaiah expressed Advent hope He said, would that God would come and find us mindful of Him. That God would come and find us mindful of Him. Now, I know that all of you are better Christians than I, but I, I can tell you that not every day of my life am I completely mindful of Him. I want to be. I try, but I'm not perfect, and sometimes it fails. But I want you to know that Advent is a specific time to be mindful of Him. And guess what? When I find out that I'm mindful of Him and I begin to concentrate on those things, then I have moments of repentance because, God, I haven't been mindful of You all the days and here I am being mindful and I need to repent. I need to repent and say, God, I am sorry. And it is a message that needs to be said. And now it was very effective then. There may be another way that we have to do it too. But that we begin to be mindful of God and what He's called us to do and the things that we're engaged in and the things that we spend our money on and the places that we go and the things that we invest. All of those things. That is, this is the time. God is coming. Are you thinking about it? It's set aside four weeks. You can do it all year long, but four weeks, we're setting aside, and we have to really change. And sometimes it might be our appearance. How much did I spend on clothes last year? Oh, pastor, don't go there. Because you know what? The Church of the Nazarene had a problem many years ago, and we over-preached that. And now we under-preach it. How much have you spent on, on just the clothes that you buy and the things that you wear? How much? John the Baptist seemed to be pretty successful without anything. That's the message. I'm not saying you can't go buy new clothes, but I am saying if it is the all-indwelling purpose of who you are and what you need to do in appearance, then you need to have a look and say, I want to be mindful of you, God. And if it's not right, repent. How much of your time and energy is spent on food? Now that's something that no one ever preaches. I like food. It still buttons. In fact, I like food a lot. I like certain foods. And I like them perfect. I like to plan. You know, I had a long story short. I had some credit card points I had to use and I had to, they was going to lose them. I was like, what can I do? What can I do? And I said, no. So I bought me some Ruth Chris gift certificates. That's good. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's pretty good. 
It's surprising how much sometimes that we think that we've got to have the best of all things at all times and all places and everything. And we think including that's a part of food. And that sometimes we live our lives towards that. Now, I don't, I'm not a man of great etiquette like a lot of people are. And I know that probably most of you are not doing this. But I want us to think about food and how much we eat and what we eat. I look back at my family and they're saying, yeah, preach it, Gary. (laughs) Preach it right at yourself because they know. But we can be different. And the world hears when we're different. They don't hear when we're the same. It's the same noise. And strike out. He's eating locusts and honey. And we need to make sure. And I'm not telling you you can't go to Ruth's Chris. Obviously, I'm going. I bought those gift certificates. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that we need to evaluate our lives. And sometimes we live our lives to eat. This is the time that you examine yourself. And you say, is there something I need to change? And repent. John could speak those words repent because he was living their way he needed to. Before we could ever begin to convince someone else, we better start convincing ourselves and then repenting ourselves. This is part of what Advent is. Repenting and preparing because God's coming and I want his straight... It would be so disgusting to come down for God to sit next to me and say, God, Gary, I'm disappointed. You knew better and you didn't do. This is a time when you know better and you change so that you can be like God because he's called you to be it. This is what Advent is, is preparing the way of the Lord. In the Gospels, Jesus suggests something. He says because of the demands of our life and the demands that, that are placed there, that it's very easy to forget what our life should be all about. That we are because of God. That we have because of God. We are the benefactors of a truly wonderful God. And without our belief in God, and without this existence of God, this world would not be a place that anyone would want to live. God is the best thing that has ever happened to this planet. And we need to think on those things. We need to apply those truths in our lives. Advent is four weeks when we reflect on what we need, what we need to heed. Same thing that's John's call to the people. We need to reflect on our busy schedules. We need to reflect on our times of stillness and reflection. We need to think on what we identify and how we're identified. Are we identified as pastor? Are we identified as father? Are we identified as coach? Are we identified as teacher? Are we identified or are we identified as a child of God trying to fulfill what God has called us? And it may be a coach and it may be a teacher. Are you a teacher or a child of God who's been called to teach? Big difference. Advent is a time of stillness. It allows the things that matter the most to rise up in our hearts. To look in the mirror and to see the reflection. It gives us some room to ask some questions that sometimes we never ask ourselves. What do I believe? What is it? I'm not saying just quickly answer what you find in the scriptures. What is it that you believe that changes the way you live? And why do you believe it? 
One of the great difficulties of my life is I began to study theology. I already knew what I believed. And all of a sudden I began to recognize, I don't know why I believe it. People have told me and I've just taken their, and then I had to actually go and get foundational. It was tough. Why do you believe what you believe? What difference is what you believe and why you believe it making in how you live today? Yeah, I get it. I get it. We may have been saved at five years old. I get it. I know that you did that. But I, as I say often and all the time and talks about holiness message, it's not when you're five years old or seven years old. It's when you're five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, all the way till you die. Every single day is a day that we experience God. And the word says repent. And it is not repent because everyone's perfect. It's repent because we don't always get it right. Because we always have problems. And we need to check up all the time. And just because we checked up at five doesn't mean we're all good now. Check up every day, every day of your life. And if your life is not different because of what you believe and the renewing of your faith, something's wrong. Advent is the time to examine that. God is so graceful to give us these moments to reflect and think and to change. Think about what do I give to God? And this is not just about money. What do you give to God? How much of your time and energy is spent? And what of mine belongs to God? Advent should cause us really to do two things. This is all a little more detailed than you wanted, but just really two things. Watch and wait. But watching and waiting are not merely done with your eyes and sitting down and watching to see what happens. Adventure calls us to watch and wait, staying awake, being alert, because Jesus calls us. Now, for John the Baptist, Jesus was coming to Bethlehem. And Bethlehem is in history now. He's not coming back to Bethlehem in the same way we know that. Because really, Bethlehem has moved. Bethlehem is now located wherever we are. Wherever we love, wherever we trust, wherever we cry, wherever we go, wherever we're taking a stand, whenever we're trying to tell the truth, whenever we're trying to understand what God is teaching us, we are the new Bethlehem. That's God's gift to us. It's God's challenge to us that He's coming and He's coming to reside forever. Are you ready? Have you prepared? Because He's coming again and He's going to reside here with us forever. What we do with our lives is a thank you to God. We talked about last week that God has given us the ability to do his will. What are we going to do when God calls on us? What we do is our thanks to God for what he has given to us. But we have to know ourselves well enough to be aware that when he's calling, well enough to look in the mirror and say, God is not pleased, I will repent, I will change. We need times of stillness, we need times of reflection to put it all together. God gives us that opportunity to do something for him in our lives. There is always sufficient space for what God is calling us to do. There is always sufficient courage, strength, 
God is willing to give us to fulfill what he's calling us to do. If we choose not to respond, if we choose to ignore God's call, where's the good? Where's the good? Do not walk through this Advent season without a time of reflection and making a change. If you get to the epiphany after Christmas and you haven't done anything different in your life, Advent is passed on by, there's nothing that has really happened. I would expect us all to be changed. This morning, I want to give us a moment of reflection and we're going to receive communion as a part of that. If you haven't received the uh, communion cup this morning, if you'd raise your hand and Josh will make sure that you get that this morning. And we're going to reflect exactly on that this morning. Where are you? What are you doing? Is there anything that needs to change? There's quite a few that are still here, so we'll give it some time. I guess I should probably get one myself, right? you haven't used one of these before there's two tops to it you pull off the first cellophane and you'll find the bread that's there we do this so many times and we remember that Christ died for us that his body was broken but we often often fail to recognize that his body and that he's coming again and this morning as we reflect on the coming again of Christ I encourage you to reflect on what it means for you this morning Do you need to repent? Do you need to change? This is my body that is broken for you. Take and eat. May it preserve you blameless and die life everlasting. Remove your second cover there. And Christ said, this is my blood that's been shed for you. Take and drink, and as often as you do it, remember that Christ died for you. Let's have a moment of reflection this morning. I I hope that you heard something here. Let God speak to you. Do not be afraid of, of conviction of God. It is to the best of all humanity that He gives us the gift. And if you need to repent this morning, do that and make a change in your life. Just quiet here for a few moments.
As always, if you need to speak to a pastor, they're always available for you. I'd ask you to stand and receive a blessing as we depart this morning. Our tradition is releasing our power and receiving what God has for us, so I encourage if you want to participate this morning. I pray and I hope that you hear the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make its path straight. Be blessed, you are dismissed.